Um, if you have a Bible and you want to jump in with us, we're just going to jump in. And if you have a Bible with you or on your phone or whatever, open up with me to Ephesians chapter 1 if you want. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. This is going to be fun. I'm super, really, I'm just really, I know I always say I'm excited, but I am excited about the next bunch of uh, weeks and being together. Uh, in C.S. Lewis' masterpiece, The Screw Tape Letters, a senior de- demon, yes, a senior demon named Screw Tape writes a junior demon named Wormwood and how they're going to deceive the patient, who's a follower of Jesus, away from the enemy, which is God. Senior demon named Screwtape writing letters to junior demon named Wormwood and how they're going to scheme together and how Wormwood is going to deceive the human, the follower of Jesus, away from God. And this is an amazing book. It's uh, really something that I've rediscovered. I, I read it a number of years ago and have re-engaged it here in the last little while. And not only is this like literary genius, it's a brilliant work for its time. I think it's also transcended and has much to say to our cultural moment where we live in the here and now in 2020. As I was reading it again, I was just like blown away at just screw tape and Wormwood's a desire to deceive the humans in these little subtle ways. And of course it's satire. And by the way, if you want to read it, I really encourage you to read it. Maybe you're not into that kind of thing, but especially some of you that love a literary, um, the different literary works, this is a one that I think you could read. It's pretty quick read and is something that I think would get your mind and imagination going because it does get your mind and imagination going in how the enemy and the Satan and the powers, the evil powers, want to work and influence humans away from the kingdom of God. And it does it, the writing does it in such a way that, again, not only grabs your imagination, but just opens your eyes to really, I think in the Western world, the way in which the Satan works. Now, um, this is not a book study. Uh, we're not going through the screw tape letters for our teachings on Sunday. What I am going to do, we're going to obviously come, come to the real scriptures and the, the, the Bible together. But what I'm going to do over the next little while, over as we kind of engage this, is I'm actually going to give you a little snippet each week of what screw tape writes to Wormwood and how they want to deceive the patient, the follower of Jesus, away from the kingdom of God, and just show you the little crafty ways in which I think the Satan wants to work in our moment. He says this, Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. So remember, senior demon writing to junior demon. Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with the cruel dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism and we make no magicians. On the other hand, when they do believe in us, we cannot make them materialists or skeptics, at least not yet. I have great hopes that we shall learn in due time how to emotionalize and mythologize their science to such an extent that what is, in effect, a belief in us will creep in while the human mind remains closed to belief in the enemy. And remember, the enemy in this case is God. They go on. They say, uh, Screwtape says to Wormwood, I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient or the humans in the dark. The fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. 
if any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, he therefore cannot believe in you. Now, pretty, uh, pretty great picture of what, I, and I hope you can sense there, what, what Screwtape is trying to do there with Wormwood. Now, I don't know what kind of experience you've had with putting, with people in maybe in your life in the past, putting an emphasis on Satan and evil in the past. Certainly, there are people out there that overemphasize the spiritual realm. You know people like this, right? There's people out there where there's a devil or a demon everywhere. And I get that. And I've kind of seen and experienced that a little bit. I grew up in a fairly charismatic stream of the church. My parents are super healthy, great church that I grew up in. But there was tended in our movement of churches at times to be an emphasis towards that. Heather, my wife, who many of you know, is also grew up in a great family. Her parents are the best. Props to you, mom and dad-in-law. I love you so much. Um, but she grew up in a church that was like hyper charismania. Uh, not her family, but the church. And there were people that literally saw a demon or devil under everything. You know this? You know, have you heard this? So I stubbed my toe, so it had to be the devil. Or I failed that exam, and of course the devil made me do it, right? Or a Democrat became president, and it's like the Antichrist. And some of you are like nodding your head because this was kind of your background. You know, everything is kind of attributed to evil and the devil and demons and the spiritual forces. You know, and I've even been in church services where people have like dudes or gals, preacher people have like yelled or spoken to the devil. They talk to the devil, which... Uh, is a little weird, especially when the Satan is not omnipresent. We'll learn this over over time. Uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot over the next bunch of weeks, but I think we should maybe right off the top lay the foundation that I would suggest not talking to the devil. Can we just all like nod our heads virtually that that's probably a good thing to do? So maybe maybe some of you have had that that background where you've been exposed to an overemphasis of the spiritual spiritual realm and the spiritual forces and the powers and that has been like there's been a hyper focus around you but i would probably suggest with our community and i would assume that's that's probably the exception and not the rule in our community if you grew up with that kind of background that's probably the exception but i would say as a whole for our community and especially culturally and culturally as the christian community in our city i think most of us have had little to no emphasis on the spiritual realm no emphasis literally to the point where it's probably for many of us has been completely ignored or as screw tape writes to wormwood it's kind of been it's been a joke this whole idea of the spiritual realm or the satan or demons or whatever you know we're western people we've had the enlightenment already come on get with it we have this thing called a microscope that we can put everything under it scientifically we have really smart people in university lecture halls which is great and now we have google which gives us the answer to everything so there's no way for this is the way many people think there's no way that there's anything like satan or demons or evil powers or principalities And I actually think that this posture reveals exactly what C.S. Lewis was getting at 70 years ago or whatever. Screwtape actually writes to Wormwood, let's keep the humans or the patient, let's keep them in the dark. Let's keep them in the dark. 
And you'd sense it there. I don't know. I know it was a quick read and it's a cursory read, but you can sense in Screwtape's words here to Wormwood the dilemma that's going on as he writes him. If humans don't believe in us, he says, we can't really terrorize them. If the humans don't believe in us, we can't really terrorize them. But if they do believe in us, we can't make them materialist or skeptics. And so there's tension here in Screwtape's words. But I would say in our moments in Canada and in the Western world, I think one of the things, the primary things that the Satan wants to do is he wants us to ignore this stuff. This is what he wants to do. When it comes to the powers, the principalities, and all that we talk about and think about as far as spiritual beings, I think one of the primary goals of the enemy in the Western world for modern white picket fence Canadians is for us to kind of laugh this kind of thing off as though it's not serious or it's real. Again, Screwtape says to Wormwood, if any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in their mind, so in the human's mind, if they start to b believe about us, suggest to them a picture of something in red tights and persuade them that since they cannot believe in that, therefore they cannot believe in us. And you know, we have Halloween upon us and there's gonna be a lot, and this is not anti-Halloween by any means, but we're gonna have, there's gonna be lots of red tights and black capes and f pitchforks and it's going to kind of be a joke. And I think actually maybe this is what the enemy, the Satan in our moment wants to do. Kind of wants to make it something that's just so beyond us as really rational, smart people. And I'm at fault for this. But the question is, what about the Bible? Like, is the, I think this is a pretty good question. Like, what, what about the Bible in all this? Like, if I were to ask you what the central theme of the Bible is, what would you say? You know, for me, and I know, I know for a lot of really nice Christians, I'm sure you would say things like me. When I think about the central theme of the Bible, I think about salvation. I think about God's love for us. I think about the Bible being something that leads us to know God and know him personally. You know, I obviously, and you know this, when you've been around, and you do too, I'm sure, love the emphasis on biblical justice that we just had. I love that. The call to love our neighbors. Oh man, when I talk about the Bible, that's the one thing I want other people to know. This great call to love our neighbors. And I love the call of the Bible for the church to be a community. I love all of these things. And I'm sure if I were to ask you the same thing, you'd probably respond with some of those things as well. But I think very few of us would say that the Bible, the main, one of the main themes in the Bible is all about God's victory over the Satan, principalities, and the powers. And, and you can't escape this. This is actually one of the central themes. And I know it's kind of, that can kind of seem like the weird stuff, but this is actually the theme. One of the themes, the major themes in the text of Scripture. And again, I'm very rational. I'm very academic. Most of you know, I, my mind turns when it comes to academics and just that side of things. And so I, I love that. I love being rational and thinking through things. So I'm even at fault for this. But even if you have your Bible open, listen to Ephesians. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians. Ephesians 1 verse 19. You know, we looked at Ephesians a couple years ago and I wanted to look at this letter in light of the church. And, you know, Paul talks about kind of roles in the house and how we can flourish as humans. And I got into it and then I realized that's, I mean, that's part of what Ephesians is about. But the central theme of Ephesians is this. Listen to what it says. Paul says this. That power, he says, is the same as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And so there's this, this picture you get that there's a cosmic level to this letter and to Paul's writings here and what God did through Jesus on the cross. If you flip over a few pages, if you want, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, you know this probably pretty well if you've been around church. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, Paul says, is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of every evil in the heavenly realms. And as we looked at Ephesians, man, I was just like, over and over, the language here is God defeating through Jesus, through death and resurrection, defeating the evil hostile powers. That this is, this is front and center. And my rational mind says, well, come on, really? Let, let's be honest, really? I don't really see or feel it or experience that. Does this really matter? But over and over, the Bible and the scriptures keep pointing to it. So much so that I would say this. The scripture continually acknowledges that spiritual beings and the powers, so spiritual forces, are at play not only in history and in the history of the scriptures, but is actually something that is active in our current reality. That evil, that the powers, the spiritual forces, this is something that is active and alive in our current reality, in our world at the moment. So here's the, here's the thing. We often, and I am at fault for this, we often talk about the biblical story as being a story that tells a story about God and Yahweh and a story about humans. You have God and you have humans. But what we often neglect to do is to actually articulate, and I'm at, again, I'll, I'll repent of this here. I have not put as much focus on the reality that the Bible and God's story in the world shows us that humans are actually on a stage with fellow actors who are not human. Humans in the Bible are on a stage with fellow actors in this grand story who are not human. And you're like, wait, what? Some of you are thinking, I'm sure, because of your past church experiences and you've seen, seen some weird stuff, you've been probably thinking to yourself, I have been waiting for this church to go a little crazy and a little kooky, so here we go. The guy's off his rocker. It's quarantine. Too much carbs during quarantine. It's going to his head. There you go. You know, it's funny. I often talk to people that come into Praxis or, that, you know, are checking things out or whatever who are just waiting maybe for things to go a little kooky. Uh, and here it is. But what you don't know is, let's be honest, we've been kooky from the beginning, so it's all good. But... Hang with me. I don't think we're actually following, falling off a rocker here. I actually think this is a huge part of the biblical story. So hang with me. Genesis 6, 1 through 4, read it at some point today, was the foundational Hebrew text for the fall of the cosmic rulers and the gods. This is as much an emphasis as God creating humans in his image is also this picture of spiritual beings, the cosmic rulers having this great fall. Now, many scholars, and we're going to get into this more and more over the next couple weeks, many scholars believe that these sons of gods, as they're called, are the cosmic rulers that were given authority over creation to rule on God's behalf. And so, not only was human created in God's image to steward and to rule, but there was also spiritual beings that were created to steward and to rule. Now, this is just a side note. We'll talk again more about this next week. Throughout the Hebrew scriptures, these spiritual beings, 
like angels, demons, the Satan, we're going to talk more in depth about these over the next bunch of weeks, are actually called Elohim. Now, wherever you're listening from, can you just say that with me? Elohim? Say Elohim. Now, it's a little tricky because Elohim is used for angels, demons, other things, other spiritual beings in the Old Testament, but it's also actually the Hebrew word that's used for God. It's kind of, again, tricky because it's like the Hebrew scriptures call these spiritual beings that God created little gods, little Elohim, almost like you think of it like lowercase gods. Yes, there's one God overall. His name is Yahweh, the creator God of all the nations. And then there's the Elohim as well, these, these little gods. You actually get a picture of this. We've read this in our gathering as part of the Psalms. In Psalm 82, the psalmist depicts the creator God, Yahweh, as entering into the heavenly council and addressing these figures. And he says to them in Psalm 82, you, you spiritual beings are gods. And so there's language here to depict spiritual beings as Elohim. And in Genesis 6, we get a, a picture that they rebel against Yahweh. And so now these angelic figures that were created have fallen just like humans and have become corrupted. And they no longer carry out their commission properly. Sound familiar? That sounds like the human story as well. And yet, this is a spiritual being story that the writer in Genesis is telling. They no longer rule, these beings do, in order to foster peace and ensure justice in the world like they were called and created to do. They no longer rule on behalf of God, but they actually perpetuate evil and work against God and His good will for the world. Crazy. Now, we emphasize the human story a ton, but I find, and again, I'm at fault for this, that that story is often not told, and yet it's central to the Hebrew scriptures and it's central in Paul's language. So I know we're not Hebrew people, but in this worldview, Israel saw that these figures stand behind, these fallen spiritual beings actually stand behind the idolatries of pagan nations. And I actually do think the scriptures show us that these fallen spiritual beings have influence in our world. That there are fallen spiritual beings, the powers and principalities behind a lot of what we're seeing happen in our, in our world. Again, I'm not a demon under every doorpost guy. Obviously, you know, that's not just the way our community rolls. But I think we do need to listen to the scriptures a bit and what they, what they lead us to. You know, sometimes we can point to things as ridiculous, maybe just maybe a political leader or an election cycle. And we go, how can people act or do things like that, this in our kind of realm, in the human realm? And I've just been seeing more and more that there are principalities and powers at play in the things that happen in our world. There is a battle between Yahweh and his good plan for the world and the Satan and these powers of darkness. And this is actually a central theme in the Bible. And you're like, come on, man, really? Like, you could probably just log out now if you wanted, right? This is, the freedom is in your hand. You're like, come on, we are going kooky. Well, one, I'll just say there is a lot of emphasis this in our culture with the TV uh, shows that we consume. I, you know, many of the, the current over the last decade shows are supernatural. Some of you watch shows with dragons in them. Let's be honest, we're not judging you, but that's just, that's what you do. Or I think of the rise of uh, lit literature with, you know, wizards and stuff. And then we, we think and our imaginations get going around these things. And then we kind of, in the actual world in which we live, kind of push some of 
what we would know as the spiritual realm to the side. And I just say, I think we need to consider what the principalities and powers are. Not only that, if you're all like, man, I love the Bible, I love the justice side, I love the love your name, I love the Jesus piece of, I love just the gospels, the Jesus piece of this, let's not talk about the weird stuff that we're talking about right now. But the reality is you also get to page one of the gospels and what is Jesus doing? He's driving out demons. I mean, this was central to the Hebrew worldview. Jesus is on the scene and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are recording Jesus and part of his ministry is setting the captive free and bringing his kingdom to bear and proclaiming the kingdom. But he's also just opened up the gospels. Really quickly, you see that he's dealing with the Satan and the powers and the principalities. He's tempted and he's driving out demons. And I know this is, is heavy. It can be kind of heavy stuff but we see all sorts of evil on display in our world. And I think a robust understanding of spiritual darkness is actually something that's really important in the life of an apprentice of Jesus and somebody who follows Jesus. I really do. Now, in uh, you, I think I've talked about this before, really quickly, just a couple things before we kind of chew on this a little. And this is gonna be a longer journey. So if you're like, I feel like this is a fire hose or you feel like this is, maybe you're new to this and being just exposed to this now, you're like, this is really weird. I just hope you'll hang with us. But you know, the Greek term for rulers, authorities, or cosmic powers, when Paul uses this language in the New Testament, is the, it was written in Greek. So the Greek word is kosmokratoras, kosmokratoras. And basically what it is, it's literally two words smashed together. It's the word world and the word grasp in Greek kind of brought together. Kind of what we would think of as like kind of like a compound word, but it's smashed together. World and, and to grasp. And I think that's a great picture of what these fallen beings, spiritual beings are. They are world snatchers. They are cosmic world grabbers. They're, they're kind of grasping for God's good world. A guy named Bruce Longnecker, a theologian, he suggests that this should be translated, this word in, in uh, Greek should be translated cosmos grabbers, which depicts these figures as selfishly and madly grasping after, after their portion of God's good world without any concern for the self-destruction that such strategies initiate. They're just out to get a hold and do evil in God's good world. That's what the cosmic powers are doing. A guy named Tim Gombas, he'd say it like this. He'd say, for Paul, the writer, uh, one writer in the New Testament, the powers and authorities were originally created to play a legitimate role within creation, overseeing the social, cultural, and political aspects of national life. They have rebelled, however, and now foster the enslaving character of the present evil age, cultivating all the self-destructive patterns inherent in them. They no longer function so that the nations come to fear and worship the Most High God, but now they enslave the nations. Look around, is this not happening? Are the nations not enslaved? And this manifests itself in all sorts of cultural, political, all sorts of things in our world. Sometimes it's easy to look at humans and look around and say, you, you've messed this up, or a political leader, and I get political leaders are responsible for what they are. But Gombas is saying here that these fallen spiritual beings are enslaving the nations, that there's actually a bigger story than just what we see in the here and now. He goes on, they say, they pursue a strategy that prevents humanity from carrying out its mission to be the image of God on earth. 
the powers orient the cultures of the world so that humanity will develop patterns of sin, enslaving them in spiritual death. Their aim, the spiritual powers, is destruction and the enslavement of humanity. And he says, when Paul talks about the powers and authorities in the Bible, therefore, he has in mind these superhuman cosmic rulers. All I got to say, all I hope you can take away from today is a understanding, one, that the Satan and the powers are legitimate. That's what I just want you to, if, and I know you're like, well, that's pretty simple. That's what I want us to take away from today because I think we're in a moment where we push this stuff off and we look at it as, as a joke and the red tights and the black cape and the pitchfork and we kind of laugh it off and we have all sorts of weird ideas of what, what the Satan is and we'll get into this more, but I want us to really understand as a community, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of the way, that Jesus was in tune with this. The Satan and the powers are legit, but also... We know through death, burial, and resurrection that these cosmic powers are just grasping for straws. Come on, somebody. These powers and authorities, there is an expiry date on them. As Jesus returns, he's actually going to deal once and for all and save us from uh, these powers and, and authorities and the Satan will be dealt with once and for all. This is a beautiful, actually, it's really tied into the story of the scriptures. So I'd say they're legitimate, but the reality is we live in light of the cross and they're just grasping. They're just grasping. There's an expiry date on this kind of evil. Now I'll say this to close. Um, when you talk about deception and what the enemy, and a great picture again is screw tape writing to Wormwood, Wormwood and how they're going to do this. It's just a brilliant way of showing us the deception and the lies. I'll just say this. I think and I could be wrong on this. This is just personal opinion. I think that the enemy's tactics in the Western world are different. I just think we're at a moment right now where the enemy's tactics in the Western world are just, they're different. Um, I haven't traveled maybe as, some of, as much as some of you, but I've traveled a little bit outside of the Western world the last decade and a half. And to be honest, the, you see spiritual warfare and you probably see uh, the spiritual powers in more, uh, more blatantly than maybe what we would assume we see in the West. You know, I remember as a 14-year-old kid a long time ago now, um, going to bed in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we still do ministry and just love the work there. And just, um, just seeing and experiencing some of the things that I saw there. Beautiful, beautiful people. But the powers and principalities at play in different ways. I think in the Western world, and this is what we're going to talk about now just to get the foundation going over the next bunch of weeks. I think in the Western world, the primary goal of the Satan is to get us to believe lies. To get us to believe these subtle little lies from lies like a political party or a political leader is going to save me to a lie like who I sleep with and what I do with my body doesn't matter. And that's just a couple amongst many, many lies in which the enemy just slowly wants to work on us. You know, I think one of the things that the enemy wants to do in our context here in more of a Western context is he wants to get us to buy into what I would call the trinity of idolatry in the West, sex, money, and power. And it may not feel blatant and in your face, but it is slow and it is subtle. And again, it, it, it is a slow drift away. 
And I will, this is what I want to do as we look at what Screwtape says to Wormwood, because I think what Lewis was doing in the 1940s and how he was approaching the spiritual powers and the Satan in 1940-ish uh, Britain, I think has a lot to say to us today now about some of the things. It may, we don't necessarily see demon-possessed people all over the place, but I, I can assure you that the enemy's tactics may even be a little different than that in our moment where it's this slow drift away. You know, we actually get a picture of Screwtape's plan. This is what he says to close. He says this to Wormwood. He says, The safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turning, without milestones, without signposts. And I think that's a, an interesting way of looking at our moment here and now. It is slow, it is subtle, and one of the things the enemy wants to do, the Satan wants to do, is he wants us to lull us to spiritual sleep. This is what he wants to do. And so guys, I know this has been a lot, there's a lot to chew on, but this gets us going into some of the things we're gonna talk about. Next week, we'll talk more in depth about spiritual beings, fallen spiritual beings, the gods. Um, I know this has been a question that's come up because even in the Old Testament course that we did, you get starting reading and studying the Old Testament and you realize, holy man, like this is the, the spiritual beings and this kind of thing is all over the place. Oftentimes people have questioned about the Nephilim. Anybody out there? Give me a virtual what, what? I know there's questions about all these things. We'll, we'll try and talk a little bit about this over the next little while. But the main thing I want us to grasp today is that this is legit. But let's be reminded God's kingdom is coming to earth. Jesus has dealt with this. And we are in the in-between and the evil and injustice and the horror that the enemy uh, brings and, and deceives and the lies that he brings will be gone once and for all. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then what I thought we would do again is just break down into groups for like two, three minutes. I love if some of you want to share how you're feeling about this. What do you feel? What do you think? Are you like me where you've just kind of not put much emphasis in this over your life as a follower of Jesus? I'm a pastor dude and I've tried for many years to ignore this stuff. But uh, I've, I've just seen more and more as we open up the Bible, we can't ignore this. So we'd love for you to share, but let me pray for you before we jump in. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this avenue. I just pray that you'd cover our church. This is not easy and light stuff to talk about, but I think part of following you with our lives is talking about the hard stuff. And I just pray that you would make us aware with our lives and everything that we do that there is a battle raging. And God, when our initial response, and I know this is often my initial response, I want to I want to point to humans and their brokenness and evil and things around me and things I see, but may we also have compassion and empathy for what we see in our world knowing that there's something behind it. God, we take responsibility, obviously, for our actions. We turn to you in repentance. We give you our lives. But I also pray that you would help us just be aware of our surroundings. So lead us, guide us. I thank you. I thank you for every household. I pray grace and peace on everybody here. They're beautiful families. Give us an amazing week. And give us a, a great couple minutes just talking. Maybe a few of us would just reach out and talk about how we're feeling about this just to encourage us. I pray that every word spoken would just be you leading and guiding us. In Jesus' name, amen.